Hello and welcome to an all new Marvel cast, Explosion Network's hub of all things Marvel. We're going to talk about everything MCU and beyond, from Avengers and Defenders to Annihilus and Quasar. My name is Ashley Hilbley, joining me this episode, the ultimate killer merchant. Come and get your love, come and get your love, come and get your love now. Okay. Uh, and also joining us, the <laughs> astonishing Dill Blight. It's crazy to think that once upon a time, this movie was coming out, and no one knew who the hell any of these characters are. True. Now, like, Rocket, Groot, and not, especially just Rocket and Groot, I suppose, <laughs> like, household names. Like, I could, I could say to my mum, like, Rocket Groot, and she'd be like, yeah, like, the tree thing and the, the weird thing from that mm-hmm. movie, you know? Well, the fact that, anyway. like, on any kind of Marvel game now, Rocket is kind of becoming one of, like, the staple characters. The mainstays? Yeah, yeah, like, it's like every trailer, like, for a Marvel game is going to feature Rocket in some way. Yep, Definitely. All right, so if you haven't worked it out, this episode we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I come from Earth, a planet of outlaws. My name is Peter Quill. There's one other name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys? Forget it. So here we are, a thief, two thugs, an assassin, and a maniac. But we're not going to stand by as evil wipes out the galaxy. I guess we're stuck together as partners. Are you telling me the fate of 12 billion people is in the hands of these criminals? Oh, yeah. Uh, released 2014, directed by James Gunn, screenplay by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman, based on Guardians of the Galaxy by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, Karen Gillan, Jamon Hunsu, uh, John C. Riley, Glenn Close and Benicio Del Toro. A group of intergalactic criminals must pull together to stop a fanatical warrior with plans to purge the universe. Uh, Kieran, do you remember it? Did you know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy before you saw this film? Very limited. Very limited in terms of I knew Star-Lord and I knew, of course, Rocket Raccoon. Um, just from various findings because I think, I think it was probably one of the, due to one of the Ultimate Alliance games, finding a character called Rocket Raccoon was instantly like, okay, the fuck is going on here? I need <laughs> to find out where this character came from. Um, but yeah, very limited kind of experience. And then I think as with everybody who went and watched this, just absolutely fell in love with the cast, the characters, the locations, the universe itself it was set in. Um, And then on top of that all was this amazing soundtrack full of these kind of old gems. And definitely at this point in time, I was definitely in the period of discovering kind of this time period's music of kind of as in like the 60s and 70s music um, that... Like the Guardian soundtrack, um, instantly kind of brought some excellent stuff that I don't know if I would have found on my own. Um, so yeah, this movie is fantastic and is probably one of my favorite, as with a lot of people, favorite MCU movies. Cool. Uh, Dylan, what did you know of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> um, 
went in completely not knowing who the hell any of these characters were. Came out loving them like everyone else, of course. I uh, wouldn't stop listening to the soundtrack from pretty much the moment I, I left the cinema, I'm pretty sure. Um, I saw this in the cinema twice. I actually liked it that much, so there, that stands out. Um, fun movie? I I think that... Like, look, I really, really, look, oh, I, no, I really like this movie. No, no, I'm just saying, like, I, I think this is one of those movies where you can, like, it's just a thing of time where I don't think it's as enjoyable as, like, that like that hype level of, like, the first year of it coming out. Like, it's kind of settled down and I'm like, it's, it's still the good. The newness was an important factor. Probably. Yeah, like, there, there was probably a, a lot of that. Like, you know, watching it this time, I'm like, I'm still enjoying it. But it I doesn't guess- have that, uh, like, wow, unique it factor about it. And that's probably because we've got a sequel and those characters are showing up in other things and whatever else. Like, it's kind of worn off a little but bit. But also, that's- it's like, this is the first time we've really seen Chris Pratt in this light uh, post Parks and Rec. Like, and whereas, I guess... So I never watched Parks and Rec. I never seen okay. it before. Well, I watched Parks I and Rec, but this is, yeah, <laughs> the first time kind of post there we see this version of Chris Pratt. I guess in circa 2020... This is just the Chris Pratt we know. He's like this in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, the Jurassic World movies. Um, this is just... He's just playing the same character. Every yeah, this, now, is, this is Chris Pratt now, and I guess it was very new when it first came out. Yeah, it's on my head now. <laughs> Can't help hey. Yep. Yeah, uh, so. I remember, I think I saw this at like a preview screening before. It got released, obviously, <gasps> like, only, like, a few days, like, maybe a week. They did, like, obviously, because this wasn't, like, any of the Marvel, main Marvel films so far, where there was kind of established characters that everybody uh, kind of knew. Uh, they, they, obviously, of all the char- all the movies we've discussed so far, these have been created the most recently, or at least as a team. Um but yeah, I really loved this film. Loved it. Uh, probably at the time, it was my favorite Star Wars film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's an amazing team. James Gunn's uh, personality and style like, flow through the entire film, and uh, yeah, great. Made household made a tree that says three words. Such a lovable character. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Shout out to Vin Diesel, performance of the year. Underrated. Oh, it's, it's like his crowning achievement. Yeah. Who else would get paid so much to speak four words, really? It's a ba- well, To be fair, he did every single language, apparently. That's true. That's <laughs> that is true. So yeah, he had to earn his paycheck somehow, so. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, what? Hold on, can I just, can I just pull, on a, pull on a thread there? Um, you, so, this would have been your first James Gunn movie, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's funny that you're like this has James Gunn written all over it. Like it's, well, I think like, we'll get to it later. But seeing the source material, uh, obviously his flavor and flair is pretty clearly influenced this greatly. Yeah, so like I'd seen all of his features pre like prior to this. Yes, which are which are horror movies, or basically, or to a degree, one of them except is a horror super movie. ones. Are- yeah. One's straight up a, a horror movie. That one's like kind of a horror slash, I don't know, weird action movie, dark comedy. Um, so I came into this and I was like, James Gunn's directing this. <laughs> sure, let's see how that goes. And I remember watching it, going like enjoying it, but then in retrospect, looking at it like on the drive home or whatever, and just being like, 
Wow, it's weird that James Gunn did that. Like, it didn't seem like James Gunn at all. Like, especially because <laughs> okay. I'd watched Super. I'd watched Super like two years or something, like whenever mm. that was like the last James Gunn movie. And Super, in case anyone doesn't know, Super stars Rain Wilson um, uh, as Page. some. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and Rain Wilson's like the superhero. Elliot Page is like uh, someone who wants to be a superhero in that movie. And they're like, it's like the worst case scenario of like, imagine kick ass, but kick ass going wrong. wrong. Yeah. And then people just getting like horribly beat the fuck up. And like, like it's a, super messed up. It's got a lot of gore, uh, dark comedy. Anyway, so watch that. And then they're like, that guy's doing Guardians of the Galaxy. And even knowing nothing about it, watching the first trailer, I'm like, wow, he no, took no, some no. positivity no. pills. <laughs> yeah. But I also think this is the, I, I'm pointing this all out because I think it's important to note that I think this is, this movie was a testing round for Marvel in what a, a lot of ways. Like I know we was talking about like last week how they had the Russos, but like I, I feel like James Gunn and also this movie was their first like pulling into that sort of um, indie director pool uh, yeah. of directors, which they now return to quite a lot, especially genre directors. And this was also the first time they picked random uh, characters from the comic, the Marvel comics that weren't super known or or, or at all or really obscure, popular. Yeah more obscure so they picked really obscure characters they picked genre director they say here let's see if this works and obviously it did and this is a pool that they've gone back to time and time again because they went and got more horror directors more horror directors more obscure characters so yeah like without this movie being the success that it was it's like alternate history to think what would have actually happened to, to marvel if this movie had of had of failed to a degree i mean it's also crazy how successful this film was i believe from memory it was a yeah. It was the highest grossing film of 2014. A year, no, it was the third highest grossing film of 2014. But it beat Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which came out <laughs> the same year, uh, and obviously was already established. Had all those massive names. Uh, was that, by the way, was this the first two year? Uh, no, I believe Thor, Thor, and uh, Iron Man came out the same year. Okay, because I know because I know Incredible Hulk and Iron Man did, but that one didn't really count because that wasn't yeah, like there were separate studios, proper Marvel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so let's get into uh, building the MCU because we've got a stack of people we need to talk about. Uh, Peter Quill, Star Lord, played by Chris Pratt, debuted in Marvel Preview number four, January nineteen seventy six, created by Steve Englehart and Steve Gann. Uh, it's hard. to... It's interesting, obviously, now that we've seen we've seen multiple iterations of Star Lord, whether it's the animated TV show or the Telltale series or uh, other video games and that kind of thing. But they all very much influenced by this performance by Steve Pratt, who I think obviously a star making performance, uh, very enjoyable, and his, his sense of humor is very. Uh, it's hard not to like him in this film. I think my my one question for like in retrospect. Do you think it was this movie or Jurassic World that was like the proper, this one. like mainstream? This one, this, one. this yeah. one, and then obviously his. I think this one, and then because he was in in this one, Jurassic World made he it. got Jurassic World so but much money. The thing money. is, yeah. this was the movie that I think Chris Pratt was the first one, other than Chris Evans. But I don't think it was as dramatic for Chris Evans. Chris Pratt was a bit of a he played like the the kind of overweight goofball on Parks and Rec, and then he got absolutely yacked to be in this movie, and I think that kind of part of one the way, scene for yeah for one scene, um, and I think that kind of propelled him kind of forward with what kind of characters he could play in the kind of 
attitude he could take in movies from then on and those characters he was portraying. Uh, but I mean, St- Star Lord is basically, I don't know, to a degree, he's sort of what you could imagine a, a, a very young, cocky Han Solo could be like if you want to do that sort of comparison yeah. without actually imagining that we got like the Solo movie. Um, and you, fo- you, you, you fall for him and that character straight away, like that opening sequence with the song and the, the credits and him just dancing and singing. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure no one got to I that scene forget. and got to the end of him being like, you may know me as Star Lord. And then you get the, the, the most gift thing ever of who? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I always forget that him dancing and singing isn't the opening scene of this movie. I always yeah. forget it opens with him as a younger. Yeah, because you want to forget it because the movie actually has like quite a fucking su- dark super opening. Super sad opening. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, but then, it get, you know, it gets super happy. Uh, but yeah, Chris Pratt, pretty great. Uh, then we've got uh, Gamora, played by Zoe Saldana, debuted in Strange Tales, 180 June 1975, created by Jim Stalin. Uh, yeah, not much. She's the I, underrated. Yeah, she's uh, like the, the. Yeah, she's not as flashy as the other members of the crew. No, I think. But, but I think between this and the second movie, I, I think she's like kind of what holds the the four together because she is like the most just straight up um, reasonable. Like, she, yeah, she's, she's the voice of, of reason. Yeah. When agree. you've got like over the top Star Lord, you've got a talking tree, a raccoon that's yelling, Drax in the background pretending he's invisible. Like, she's the most kind of relatable. You know, which is weird to say, considering she's not human, she's whatever, like, fucking experimented on alien thing or whatever. But, like, she is kind of the most relatable member of the team to a degree, because she's, like, the most down-to-earth, like, straight-up reasonable one. Um, And I I really enjoy Zoe Saldana. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that her career the last couple of years has been like well how about you play like a green lady and then you can play a, a blue lady and how about you do another blue lady and then you do another green lady <laughs> like remember <laughs> when you was in the losers yeah or whatever like that was a thing <laughs> man they've really pulled from the losers didn't they it's my one callback constantly <laughs> it's like remember all these people <laughs> that were in the losers yeah they're not losers anymore they're in mcu anyway. yeah definitely who else was in that film just makes top check who, who, who else are they gonna Chris pick Evans? up next Chris Evans. Idris Elba was in that film. He's been picked up. I was going to say Idris was in that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was in Thor. Yeah, he's in Thor. I mean, Jeffrey D. Morgan, I don't think he's going to jump over to Marvel. Hey. He might do. You never know. I don't know. That Walking Dead money's drying up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But there's a chance he'll play Batman in the... (laughs) In the Snyder Cut 2. I don't know. Anyway, weird tangent. Uh, next up, we've got Drax the Destroyer, played by Dave Bautista, debuted in The Invincible Iron Man, number 55, February wow. 1973, credited by Jim Stalin. Uh, obviously, breakout performance with Dave Bautista as well, I think. I, do, I think he's better in the second one after watching this, but obviously, the the he's definitely setting up the character for to be more enjoyable down the line. I also think this movie is playing a little bit safer so he can prove that he can do this kind of thing. Yeah. Like, very well, much like he's he not... kind just- of... Uh, yeah, he was a one-track mind this film, to be perfectly honest. So. Well, see, I, I always thought that this performance... Like, I... Because usually when WWE wrestlers come out and they do acting, they end up just doing big, tough guy smashing things. 
which this is what that role looks like on paper, like from an outset. Yeah. But then it's actually a role that's a lot around com- comedic timing or like comedy, especially oh, when you get just, to the sequel. So I think the first time that really gets you, other than like the when you first meet him, is that moment in the guard tower where yeah, like, I would it's like anything go just going to go over his head, and he's like, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too quick. Like I would I would catch, catch it. it. Yeah. It's yeah. just like. Man, Stillivine is delivered so well. Um, and you almost worry a little bit for him as an actor because he hasn't done anything else, right? Like, this is his only... No, 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 no. no. He's great. He, he's, in a lot of ways, I think... Oh, he's no, one I, of the I most... have seen him in other stuff. Don't even... Don't, yeah, no, like, he, he's yeah. he's done roles all over the place. And it, that's what I'm saying. Compared to other WWE, like, it, people breaking into acting, he's done a lot better job at varying his... Um, roles like he did a role in blade runner 2049 where he basically looks like a big tough guy but then he kind of plays this sort of silent broken down guy broken down guy yeah so like he's been really good at picking his roles and obviously everyone's going to know him as drax but drax looks like your typical like xwwe role but like the comedic timing of it all is sort of under appreciated i think i don't know he was in that stuba film which apparently wasn't very good and then he was in yeah, that My Spy film that got delayed consistently. Yeah, you want to go look, look at all the the rocks early stuff when he yeah, was breaking true. out that's of the the Tooth Fucking phase. Welcome to the Jungle and Tooth Fury and whatever the hell else. Yeah. yeah, obviously he's got a few more interesting roles than that. Uh, but yeah, you know, excited to see him in Dune next year or this year. Uh, <laughs> this will pair up the next two. We've got Groot played by Vin Diesel. Debuted in Tales to Astonish, number 13, November 1960, created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Jack Kirby, and Rocket, uh, played by Bradley Cooper, debuted in Marvel Preview, number 7, summer 1976, created by Bill Mantlo and Keith Griff- Giffen. What's not to love? <laughs> Again, uh, like Dylan said at the start of the episode, they became kind of household names. Um with one film. Uh, I think clearly Bradley Cooper adds so much to the role of Rocket. His uh, delivery <laughs> uh, like, is so honestly, important. A couple of years withdrawn from the pinnacle of his career in the 2011 smash hit Limitless. He really just like being able to stride and take this role. Um, and then whereas he's been a very amazing leading man in many kind of dramatic and... Um, feature films to then have this voice role where if honestly if you a lot of people who aren't in the know probably wouldn't know that it's bradley cooper behind the voice like he does like such a different voice from his own um and he embraces that character so well and these two characters are truly a really great duo the the shot of them of the camera panning around the two of them kind of shooting and fighting together in the prison is one of my favorite mcu shots every time i see it because it's just so there's just so much going on, but it's so great to take that moment of those two characters. I just like when it, the camera stops finally in space and it just slows down for a second, just for him to be like, "Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> like, oh, exactly." Uh, um, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I agree. Like this, this kind of like Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper as two huge like actors being the, these two roles. It actually sort of reminds me of like '90s Disney, where you'd have heaps of big names playing roles, but. Um, I think a lot of people don't even know those people do a lot of those roles because they they saw just they, like you just remember them as the characters, not so and so playing it's, that it's character. So Tom Hanks and t- 
Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, people are never like Tom Hanks plays that. It's like, you're just like Woody. Like, Woody stands alone and Buzz stands alone to a degree. And that's kind of what the, these two are. Like, you, you're never like, oh, Bradley Cooper is Rocket. You're just like, Rocket's Rocket. Groot's Groot. Now, obviously, Groot's a lot different. But I, I still think it's worth pointing out that they're both played by big AAA. They're voiced whatever. by big actors, obviously. Big this, actors. Yeah. The special effects team deserves a fair bit of credit. Yeah, uh, and so does, like, also, uh, the, the uh, on-screen uh, puppeteers or whatever they're called. Yeah, Sean, Sean Gunn, Gunn does Groot. Group, uh, rocket, does rocket yeah, on, yeah. On, on set yeah on set yeah uh yeah. i'll say my favorite i love how they introduced on the planet uh <laughs> uh scouting out all the potential people on xandar and then groot just drinking down <laughs> water i love it that he also tells him off for drinking out of the fountain groot then's like nah brah i wasn't doing that and then, like, two seconds later, Groot's back drinking out of the fountain again is just fantastic. I don't, I don't get too far ahead, but re-watching this movie... I haven't re-watched this since the, the second one came out. It makes me despise how much I, I hate uh, teenage Groot. Just because I, I so much enjoy just the, <laughs> the back-and-forth sort of lovable nature of Groot and Rocket in this one. And then when we get teenage Groot, I'm like, ah, uh, I don't really like teenage like Isn't teenage Groot like just right at the end for like all of like two minutes? Like? No, all, no like, he's in, in um. Oh, do you mean in, like baby? Infinity War? Infinity oh, War. Sorry. Infinity War. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, yeah, all that sort of stuff. I really didn't like it. Um, like that version of Groot. But yeah. Uh, then we've got Yondu on Donta, played by Michael Rooker, debuted in Marvel Superheroes number eighteen, uh, January nineteen sixty nine. Possibly created by Arnold Drake and Stan Lee. Uh, Why is it possibly? <laughs> so the story is uh, Roy Thomas, who was a uh, editor there at the time, said uh, Guardians of the Galaxy started out as an idea of mine about super gorillas uh, fighting against Russians and red Chinese who had taken off over and divided the USA. I got a sort of general approval out of Stan Lee, I think, and gave the idea to Arnold Drake since I had not time to write and research it. Arnold went in with a co- for a conference with Stan, and Stan, maybe Arnold, decided to change it to an interplanetary situation. All the ki- characters and situations in Guardians were created by Arnold and or Stan. Uh, so I don't think they ever give official credit for <laughs> any of these characters who were in the original wow. 1969 team. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, but how do we feel about Yondu? I feel like... <laughs> uh, Michael Rooker is really good in this, obviously. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, um, he, he, listen, Peter should be very grateful that he didn't yeah. let the Ravengers eat him. Eat him. Yeah. <laughs> My, I, I love Michael Rooker and everything he's in. Uh, I, 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 I also just love any time you, you pick up like a director and they have an actor and they just carry him through all of his movies. So Michael Rooker's in every one of James Gunn's movies. Um, so it's always one of those, those sort of relationships that you're like, I don't know. I just enjoy seeing actors and directors. Like they like working so much that they continuously show up. Um, and obviously I feel like he's fine in this movie, but then everyone fucking Mary Pop and Joe lo- fell in love with him more in, I guess, Guardians 2. But for, for a lot of people, I remember when this came out, they were like, Oh, the guy from Walking Dead season one's playing a fucking blue guy. Cause I think that's what most, like, average i know that's what i knew him from yeah everyone all it yeah because that's all people knew him from but um i think it's a a great performance and i'll especially when he sells whatever the fucking needle thing is called like the whistle the the 
What's that? Does it actually have the a name? arrow? Yeah, the arrow. Like that's like he sells. He sells that. You know what I mean? Like he's he's he sells that as deadly. Super deadly. Kieran, what do you think? Um, I think he's fantastic, and I think definitely his character retroactively gets even better from um, knowing what happens in the volume two. Um, but I think in general, he's absolutely fantastic. Even just his moment at the end where he opens up the um, ball just to look at the troll, like to see the troll doll and just the he's smile happy on about his it. face. They're happy yeah. about it. At the same time, crazy motherfucker just opening up a possibly an infinity stone in the middle of his ship while he's somewhere in space while the rest of his team, like, ravages are just having a party I, around I him. think he like, knew. He probably <laughs> knew. Like, there's a decent amount, but, like, there's also... It's also Schrodinger's ball, you know? Yeah. Both the ball is both containing a troll doll and an infinity stone until you open it. Like... Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It's just an interesting position for him, and, and I guess I do really like the character, um, and I think it, how it grows as a character overall is fantastic. Can I also, since we're on the Ravagers, shout out to the character that actually that Sean Gunn does play. Sean Gunn is just and he does. He, he's in the background. He always says he puts on like the most over the top uh, sort of like southern accent. or something accent for this for the ravengers like oh we're gonna kill him you know i'm like i'm like this is such a weird i don't know whose decision it was for this character but every time <laughs> it always just makes me laugh i'm like why why is that why is that the direction we took and especially if um so most people know him from uh gilmore girls and i always find it funny because in um he fucking plays not even nothing the same i don't know it's weird such a weird yeah. character he plays Craglin in the films, so... Uh, Is that the yeah. character's name? Craglin? Yep, Craglin. Craglin Obfentree. Yep. Uh, then we've got Nebula, played by Karen Gillan, debuted in The Avengers 257, July 1985, created by Roger Stern and John Buscemi. No, Buscema. Uh, I think she is, she's good in this. But she does obviously get better the longer she's in the MCU and has one of Very the most so. interesting arcs yep. in the MCU. I remember there being a lot of um, people saying that like her acting wasn't ter- terrible in this, but I always I always thought it was just on purpose. Like there's this sort of um, robotic the, the robotic delivery of lines and actions was sort of a director decision yeah. to have her her make because. Because you know she's I mean? robotic. Like, yeah, because she's robotic. But I, I remember that being one of the criticisms at the time that saying that she was the worst part of the movie. I, um, some reviews said that because like, her acting wasn't great or whatever. But I, I never had a problem with it because I always just no. thought it was supposed to be, yeah, like she's half robot. And it, like she has this sort it's of robotic tone like, and delivery. As a character, she has one of the most traumatic kind of backstories Backstory. out of everybody. Like when... Um, Gamora says, oh, I've been, like, nothing ahead of me could be as bad as the nightmares I've already been through. It's like, you got it easy compared to what what she, like, what Nebula went through. Like, Nebula was always going off second best compared to Gamora. Like, Mm. she had it so hard with Thanos, and then to have this character, then she is robotic and emotionless and frustrated in many ways. Like, she's just kind of, she never does anything right, according to everybody else around her. I think she's. She can't pick a winner either, you know? Yeah. No. Not to get too far ahead again, but I, I think she's one of the better points of Volume 2, and, and I don't particularly like that movie, but she's definitely one of the the stronger points of it. Definitely. Uh, I guess 
we'll also touch on Thanos, played by Josh Brolin for the first time in this film. Uh, we discussed all his stuff back in the Avengers episode. Uh, didn't you play, didn't you play him already? I was going to say, did Brolin play it at this point? I didn't yes, think he plays Brolin it in this. Oh, really? I did not think he did yet. Didn't he not do it in Avengers or whatever? No, he didn't do it in Avengers. No, because, yeah, I remember Brolin coming in randomly at one point, but I just couldn't remember where it was. So. It's here, so he took over the voice acting and performance capture, uh, who was previously played by Damien Potier. Oh, Sorry. By the way, just to run the whole Thanos thing, isn't it crazy to look back at, like, this movie's such a left-field, like, introduction of new characters, and, like, everyone thought this was just going to be, like, a sort of spin-off not really related to, to much Avengers, like, the big stuff happening in the MCU story. And then when you look at this movie, it is, like, one of the most important sort it of is, ones it, in the MCU with not only, not only Thanos, but the Finney Stones and the, yeah. the sisters and, like, everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, it also is the first one where, in terms of daringness, it introduces the MCU as an expanded universe, not just the planet earth like it, it kind of brings all these different races takes it to space Thor. ah fuck fuck that movie man no, no, thor doesn't no, count but... thor doesn't thor is different because there was thor literally off... on a different planet no 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 but thor comes off as mythical and fantasy and everything where this is more kind of wide expansive space travel right. you're wrong the part where they did that was the incorrect scene of dark world where people from asgard travel to the collector which officially says that's true uh, connected yeah universe. but the amount of people that realize <laughs> that at the time is very yeah yeah uh i guess we'll also touch on ronan played by lee pace uh i think he's enjoyably over the top in this film uh he's very he has very little to do i don't think he's one of the strongest marvel villains so far but uh he does it with that fun gusto that yeah. is uh, not yeah. great, but still kind of enjoyable in a weird way. Here's my here's my one major problem with this movie. Could you not? I don't know. Like, I f- I feel like he could have done a similar movie like this and still have like the Finney Stone in play and still have Thanos looming in the background without the need of, I think in some ways, wasting that villain, um, like Ronan in this in this movie. Like, I feel like he has such an interesting backstory of sort of this, like, uh, what would you call him? Like, super <laughs> religious. He's a racist. Like, cult. He's a <laughs> racist, yeah. I mean, yeah he's fanatic. A That's the word, fanatic. fanatic was the word fanatic. I was looking for. Um, like, he has such an interesting backstory, and he, he could make such an interesting uh, lead villain for, like, multiple movies if they hadn't used him in this way. But There's still time. Still, I, I know, but... You know what I mean? Like, you, you could have done this movie. You could have had someone want the Finney Stone. You could have had it be, like, a sea villain. You could have had, like, Thanos, like, in the background loon. You, you could have done the same sort of thing without wasting him. It's my only thing looking back on it, is what I would say. Because I enjoy Lee Pace in that role, and I, I think that in the the few comics I've read where Ronan's in it, I think it's like he's an s- interesting villain that could be done right. I just don't think... Not Lee Pace's fault. I just don't think. Once again, this is Marvel's thing where they're like, it's a movie, so we need like the biggest possible villain that we could fit into it, and like we need like a a world-ending possible like you know what I mean. Like all these movies always have to have like a big action scene at the end, and like you know like world-ending possibly hanging on hanging on the horizon. And I'm like, oh, no, we maybe we didn't need that. I don't know. That's yeah. my one thing. Okay. 
Uh, let's talk about our Stan Lee signing. We have Stanley as an elderly gentleman having a conversation with a significant younger woman. Rocket viewing viewing him through a scanning device dismisses him as part of what's wrong with the planet Xander. Uh, I don't think he has any lines in this one, so I mean, pretty basic. It's, it's pretty funny. basic. Good gag, I guess, for for Rocket setting up Rocket. Uh, you know, we do know Stanley likes to be talking to younger women. It's weird, a little bit. Is it? I mean... It could be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been your Stan Lee starting for this week. Uh, let's move into most marvellous moment. Dylan, what's the most marvellous moment of Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I'm going to... Obviously, I feel like you, you could pick the ending, which is obviously like the go- would be the go-to one because it's the moment where they all sort of are willing to put their their lives on a line to, to save the world. Um, but I'm not a big fan Galaxy. of the so, Galaxy. Sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's in the name, isn't it? Fuck me. Yep. Uh, but I'm not going to go with that. Actually, I'm going to go with when Peter is willing to dive out and save Gamora because it's like the, the first time in the movie I feel that you actually see he has a, um, a different side to him uh, uh, when he dives out and is willing to risk his life. You know, like and, and you could say, oh, he always knew he was going to survive because fucking Yondu comes and saves him. But you don't know that he could have taken longer. He could have stopped and got McDonald's on the way. Yeah, we don't know. Could so, have. Yeah, I, I think that's like it's the first moment in the movie where you're like, this this Peter Quill guy, not like he's got another side to him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good dude. He's a good dude underneath yeah. all that. All and the jokes then and the he dancing. just completely undercuts it by <laughs> after they come out in the Ravenger ship. That's I fine. was so goddamn heroic. <laughs> in the moment, it's great. Yeah, it was great. Going back, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran, what's your pick? Um, the moment. moment where, I guess there's lots, but I guess one for me is the moment where Peter is flying back to the ship after the prison escape, and they're all looking at him, and it's this massive epic moment. Set to Pinnacolatus. And to Pinnacolatus, yep. And Drax is like, like, like almost like kind of like in awe of him being like, he's so amazing. And uh, then. What did you go he, back to get, friend? <laughs> he's an imbecile. Like, just that <laughs> moment of just like. Like, for me, that's just so funny. And it wraps up Peter Quill as a character, like how important that kind of tape is to him and how music is so important to this movie as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise in general. Um, I think it, it sums it up really well. And I think it, I just really enjoy that moment overall. Uh, hit some good points. Uh, obviously, I love the breakout. I think that's a great sequence. Uh, and Rocket desperately needing that leg. Uh, I I'd completely <laughs> forgotten the group like that scene of them talking about the plan and Rocket being like and just Groot watching Groot out of focus in the background. But then I'd never realized not only Groot but also Drax standing to one side next to him, kind of You're looking just staring at, at him like, "What the fuck's going on? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just." That whole out of focus shot is just done so well for comedic value. Uh, I really love, obviously, the. I think I'm going to pick the scene where they're waiting to meet the broker. Uh, obviously, Peter tries talking to Gamora about music and life, and you know he's definitely not using his uh, pelvic wiles to yeah. honor whatever the line is. <laughs> uh, but then we also get that moment with Rocket where he sort of talks about you know he's. He, about his creation, his story of being made and unmade and being this monster that everybody makes fun of and that kind of stuff. Uh, but also preceded by Drax being super happy about the gambling and this rat-lizard competition 
game game chance. That's weird. Although my probably my favorite moment uh, in the film is Groot in that final that fight scene against uh, the inside the Kree ship, where he just stretches his arm out through a pole line of people just and just slings them, them oh, around. Yeah, Ends the fight by himself. And everyone just watches, yeah. And then that he just turns of- and smiles. <laughs> I did Such good. a big laugh in the cinema, yeah. That moment of um, where Groot is protecting them all in his little kind of Groot hut. Yes, Groot. Um, it's like, you're gonna die! Yeah, when Rocket... That's heartbreaking. Like, that is... Yep. Like, especially for this CGI character that is very comedic-based and very kind of... To see that kind of emotion actually hit you with it is uh, is true. Bradley, Bradley Cooper does a like everyone just remembers him for the outlandish parts, but I also think that part in the bar where he's like, he called me a thing. Like the way he he delivers yeah. the lines there yeah. kind of gets you. You you kind of feel it in your gut that he's actually quite upset and just like legit needs a hug. <laughs> yeah, and then also the scene in the uh, when they're going through the prison and they're just being toes down and he's just like soaking wet. You see all the stuff on his back and the, the stuff, stuff on the back, yeah. Also, yeah. super, super random kind of side character. John C. Riley is like actually really good in this movie, like just for his part. Yeah, he's I a just... good police officer. Yeah, you know, he believes them when he says that there's a massive cruise ship coming to kill everybody on the planet. And you know, he, he, said, he takes man, that call. To quote me, he said, "I'm I'm a dick, but I'm not." Kind of dick. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm an a hole, but yeah. not a hundred percent a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a shame we'll never get them back. Uh, also, know, Glenn Close. What? Hello. Yeah. Very just. Yeah. Also, shout out to Novacorp. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck ever happened to them? You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, like introduced we'll in this movie, in the and then yeah, in the future ones, they're like, oh yeah, I'm a. Uh, Oh, Sorry, yeah. they'll die off screen. They're fucking but, dead yeah, off screen. Thanos off screen just went and fucked Xandar up. Like, not, not like Xandar like died. Off, not yeah. like snapped off screen. Like murdered. Like murdered. Like murdered. Yeah. They really. did. So, Even Tony didn't fix that. I remember sitting. I remember Which, sitting in the cinema going, "Okay, so for the for like t- the ten people, including myself, sitting in the cinema who understood that right then, did anyone else just because like, I looked around like, yeah, okay, we just wiped Xandar off. Like we're just. Gonna- I was like, <laughs> Xandar's off, and I'm like, wait. Where, where do I get Nova from then? Yeah. Guys, Nova? Is he coming? Just... Maybe. Maybe. Captain <sighs> Marvel would be a good place to introduce that. Anyway. Mm. Potentially. Uh, yeah, was there any other moments you want to bring up? Um, all of it. The soundtrack is it. fantastic. Okay, here's, here's, the good, here's a question. Pick of the soundtrack. Um, pick of the soundtrack. Oh, goodness. Um... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to go past "Come and Get You Love." Actually, no. It's "Cherry Bomb." I actually really love "Cherry Bomb." "Cherry Bomb" is such a great song, um, just for kind of blowing off steam for just like releasing all of like frustrations and everything. It's very much uh, of the time. So my pick, yeah, very much. I think my pick would be like within the context of this movie, um, "All Child." I think it's like the because a lot of the other songs are used in other things, and like they're great songs and they're great in this yep. movie for whatever they are but like so so for example like hooked on a feeling oh like, hooked on a great feeling. great great Ugh. in this movie but i'm just always gonna think of uh reservoir dogs so it's never gonna never gonna work and a lot of the other songs like cherry bomb obviously has been used in quite a lot it was used in kick-ass prior to this uh or s- a bunch of other things fucking runaways songs have been used all over the place so no i'm, I'm gonna go with child because i can't remember that 
ever being in a uh, a movie and standing out. Yeah. I mean, even so, uh, what the fuck's it called? Come a little bit closer. Yeah, it's like another one yeah. that hasn't really been used a lot in the, that stands out in this. Yeah. Uh, my pick. I'm gonna go. Uh, full drown and found love. I mean, it's it's a great song. You know, I will say, Utra That obviously, this is a film that ends with, uh, Peter Quill trying to make the villain have a dance off. Mm. Uh, hey, it was just a distraction, okay? It was, and then the entire group holding hands to destroy the villain. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it's kind of bonkers. This movie was so well received. Uh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, there's so much going against it. Uh, but again, that emotional beat of uh, Peter seeing his mother and that his probably his biggest regret being not holding her hand from the start of the film. You know, mm. using the exact same line, hold my hand, Peter. Uh, and then him opening the present. Also mix number two. That he's kept in his bag uh, away for he 20 years. Like a whole, <laughs> he could have had another, another like, set of songs. 12 songs, yeah. Could have doubled the amount of songs he was listening to. This is, you know. Well, I, I mean, it's implied he never wanted to open it because that was like the last gift he had know, me- still, memory from his mother. So, well, if you wanted to go into some kind of emotional reason, for not opening <laughs> <it> again, <laughs> I don't think it was for really from a practical reason. Here. Yeah, I don't think it was because yeah. he, he he didn't know that there was potentially more music there. Here's here's the question: How did you know the artists and the the? Uh, I would assume he says. He specifically says, uh, hooked on a feeling, boosts Wade. That's my song. That belongs to me. I would assume, so Awesome Mix Volume 1 was done by him. So it was presumably uh, all songs that he loved as a kid. No, nah, so it wasn't. I'm pretty nah, sure it was his mom. Done with his was mom. it? Well, then I would presume. Yeah, no, but even then, it, like, was, the, the, um, the, 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 maybe she wrote in the like track. He, no, but like, he's old enough to know it. the songs. Like, so. You know, it was. The only good thing that came out of the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game is they went driving together, they like chilled out together, you know. That's you know, we'll just pretend yeah. that happened in well, this in the movie well. he's old enough to know what the songs are. It's not like he's yeah. five, then yeah. he gets he gets taken to space and then he starts listening to the tape and he's like, Oh, what are these songs? Like he he's, he was old enough to have been watching the yeah. T V what you know, knowing these songs or whatever. So I, I always just presumed he knew what the songs are. Yes. Also, love all the references to Earth stuff that nobody else understands. Yeah, com- also completely outdated references, but that's what makes yes. it funny. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Make love Kevin that part where Gam- Gamora's like, we are Kevin Bacon. Yeah. How did, how did they get the sticks up their asses? <laughs> uh. Yeah, so good. All right, let's move into comics recommendation for this episode. Uh Went pretty straightforward with this one. Guardians of the Galaxy Legacy, uh, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 1 to 6, uh, released May to October 2008, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, penciled by Paul Pelletier, uh, pretty much is the origins of this team, uh, kind of. I mean, most of these characters were part of a series of uh, storylines called Annihilation, and then the follow-up Annihilation Conquest, uh, which was pretty much just Marvel saying, here, we've got this whole collection of characters in outer space that we barely ever use, come up with yes, something. exactly. Uh, put them all together, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of came out of this. Reading this, it is bonkers how kind of different this is, this film is, to the source material. Um, Star-Lord is kind of the same, but not, he doesn't, He's not like the 80s nostalgia guy. Um, much more 
rigid and solid. Drax is completely different. I believe in the comics he's a mutant, uh, or a human who'd been mutated as part of a thing against Thanos as part of when Thanos was introduced. Um, Gamora is quite a very different character. Well, she's kind of similar, but uh, in this run she's quite different. Uh, uh, and obviously there's a bunch of other characters in this run that aren't included in the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy film because James, James Gunn didn't like them. Namely, uh, Adam Warlock, who may who be coming. He's teased, and I don't get why he doesn't like Adam Warlock, because Adam Warlock is a cool character. The magic stuff's all over the place, you know? Mm. It's weird. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, obviously. Really good. It this It's interesting, obviously. <laughs> they do three, episode, three issues, and then the following three episodes were part of the Secret Invasion storyline uh, that we mentioned in the last episode. Uh, so it involves scrolls and that kind of stuff. So it kind of takes like a weird side tangent, uh, even though it like keeps the story going along. But uh, definitely something I'd be keen to keep reading uh, along in, uh, in the future, um, just to see more of the team and that kind of stuff. I, I definitely need to go back and read read the uh, read the annihilation and all those storylines because that's, that's been something on my bucket list to get done eventually. But uh, Kieran, what do you think of this? Comics. I'm only about part- halfway through this. I think I've only I've haven't gotten to the sequel stuff just yet. Um, it's good. It's taken me a bit to adjust to the art style of these of the mm. especially of the character designs. I think yes. um, like Rocket's character designs are very. I almost want to say wild in terms of just like he's a much furrier. Yeah, it's um, the, which is very different to get to, but on the basis, it is very much a smorgasbord of. Like, I, you can tell they're just like, hey, we've got all of these out of space characters. Let's put them somewhere with them running into Warlock and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, who are they running into this issue? Or where are we getting to? Even if you look at the character list for this run and there's like a list of maybe 20 plus kind of decently named um, Marvel characters, it's like, man, they really are just kind of throwing everybody at this series in general. Definitely. Uh, Dylan, you got into it a little bit. What do you think? This is not for me. And I don't think any Guardians of the Galaxy comics are ever going to be for me because I remember trying to read whatever, like, issue one that came out shortly, maybe a year after the movie, like, they rebooted it or something. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give this a go. Didn't like that. And then there was, like, one in 2019 or something, like, or maybe it was 2018. One of those those years they had an issue number one there as well. I brought that, gave that a go. Didn't like that either. So I, I, I think I just don't vibe with the the, the comic versions of Guardian Galaxy. Like again, it ticks all of my boxes for stuff Dylan doesn't really like in comics, which is too many fucking characters and cosmic events and whatever else happening. I tell you what I do though, is just a, a side tangent of Guardians Galaxy content that is good if people like it. Telltale game, not that great. That Disney. That Disney series they did, the animated one, very good. If you are willing to watch yeah. a, a kid's Guardians of the Galaxy show, that was quite good. I did enjoy that. Yeah, I would imagine it would be because obviously this has the baggage of these characters being in this universe uh, for, what, like 50 years or something, uh, but never being like properly utilized and that kind of stuff. So obviously with the film and the TV series, they're starting with a blank slate. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's much more powerful. I don't mind it. Like, I, I don't need to. Lo- the thing is, like, I don't need to like every single fucking comic book character out there. You know, like, I'm not like. Th- I feel like there's a, a thing where 
uh, uh, people find it weird if they don't buy it. Like if if you, if you like a movie or something and you don't like the book or you don't like the source material, mm. I'm like that's perfectly fine because <laughs> a lot of it's times different. they're very different and they're different mediums. And I'm like whatever. Like I, I just don't vibe with these, but I'll continue watching the movies because they'll be quite d- different and they're easier to d- digest. Alright, that brings us to the end of this episode of all new Marvel cast. Let us know what you thought of Guardians of the Galaxy or the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Let us know which Guardians of the Galaxy comics you enjoy. Uh, let us know on Twitter by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. You'll find all of our Twitter handles there. Uh, Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. On our next episode of MCU Rewatch, we'll be discussing Avengers Age of Ultron. So make sure to watch that and join us next time for another all new Marvel cast. How crazy was it they had Howard the Duck at the end of the film? Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. And then Just sat in a revealed. little... What? You don't know this? Howard the Duck? Is there? Have you, se- ha- yeah, have yeah, you yeah. seen Howard the Duck movie, by the way? No. Yes, I have. It's fucking strange it's and out there. amazing, is what it it's is. Really good, <laughs> it's highly yeah. underrated. I own the Blu-ray. I've watched it probably four or five times. I've watched it more than Guardians of the Galaxy, and we should slip it in at some point in the future on this podcast.